Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? It's called Immigrant Psychosis. Ever heard of it? You will in our mental health segment because we're going to tell you all about what immigrant psychosis got rebranded to be. <laughs> it's a real plot twist, that one. <laughs> we just had like a five-minute discussion about it and how I told I told Melissa that I can't say this word. We won't reveal it just yet. <laughs> it could be a lot of things because there's a <laughs> lot of words you can't say. Yep. So that was not the hint that you thought it was. I can't speak. And I I don't know. That's not. I'm a host on a podcast. That's not good that I can't speak. (laughs) Okay. So we have all our normal topics and segments for you today. We have social media roundup. We have culture, nostalgia, and mental health. We are going to start with social media roundup. I have been planning a trip to Lisbon in the fall. Well, Portugal in general, I'm going to spend some time in Lisbon, some time down in the Algarve region. I joined a Facebook group <laughs> called Travel Portugal. That makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how many members it has, but it is a lot and it is mm-hmm. a very active group. So active. like. If I open my Facebook, all I see is posts from the Travel Portugal group. Like, I don't have family on there anymore. Like, I see no posts from friends and family. It's only people communicating in this Travel Portugal group. It has taken over my Facebook account. The things that people post, some are very helpful. And which is why I'm still part of the group. I have not (laughs) unfollowed the group yet. But some of the things I just am baffled by that people post in this group. So I guess normal travel things would be, you know, tips or good destinations. You know, I don't know. Normal, helpful things like, hey, guys, make sure you know this about the ATM machines or exchanging currency or this or that, you know, like. Things that someone traveling yeah. there may not know, but that would be helpful to them. Those that that type of information is all on there and it's very helpful. It does have to get repeated like every single day because every single day people ask the same questions and don't go back and like search or look for whether their question has already been answered. Makes sense in the internet world. <laughs> and there is just these group warriors that are in there every day answering the same questions. And I'm like, whatever, that's fine. But I've put together a list of a few of my favorite comments that I've run across on this group. Ready for it. Okay. So one of my favorites, and this happens pretty often in there, is someone will come on and they will say, how much will it cost for a 10-day trip to Portugal? And they, (laughs) they don't provide any other information. So the comments in response are all like, we don't know where you're traveling from. We don't know how long you want to stay. We don't know where you want to stay. We don't know, like, are you backpacking and staying in a hostel? Are you staying in a five-star hotel? Like, we have no information Information. with which to answer this question for you. 
So that's one specific type of question <laughs> that gets asked. Very basic, straight to the point question. How much will it cost for a 10-day trip? <laughs> Ma'am, are you coming from the moon or are you coming from Spain? We need to know. It makes a difference. <laughs> Huge difference. So she obviously did not get an answer. Oh, I'm no. sure she did, but not. No, she got questions. She, yeah, got, she more got more questions. questions. <laughs> yeah, of course. And that happens all the time. So another woman just posted, I will be solo traveling and looking for a fun restaurant to celebrate my birthday. Ma'am, it's a whole country. It's a whole ass <laughs> country. It's like the size of Indiana. <laughs> Like, where are you traveling? Where should I be recommending a restaurant to you? Oh, people are dumb. I love it. <laughs> They're just excited. They're excited. It's just like lack not of thinking, information. Yeah. They're just typing fast and not reading it over again. They're just, they're, just, they're excited. <laughs> so speaking of accommodations, this post was made and I was just like, do people live like this? This person posted, hi, I just arrived in Lisbon yesterday and I'm looking for accommodations for the next three weeks. Three weeks? You don't have accommodations for three weeks? I arrived in Lisbon yesterday. Like, not only did you not have accommodations books before you traveled, to Lisbon, you just showed up there with no accommodations, but you waited like a whole day before you even tried to find accommodations. <laughs> like this is day two, and you're asking where to stay. And the first comment on the post was like, "Did you have a rough night last night? <laughs> like, where did you uh, stay yesterday?" Yes, yeah, so good, so good. Who does Maybe that? He <laughs> Maybe he stayed in one of the brothels on King- on the Pink Street. <laughs> My God, I just, the amount of non-type A you have to be to just show up and then go and ask a Facebook group if they got somewhere for you to stay for three weeks. That's ballsy. I could never. Could, could never be me. <laughs> no. Could never I be want, me. Like, I want that confirmation email from the hotel. Like, I want to know that I got a room for the next three weeks while I'm there. That's a different kind of personality type that I ain't got. No, no, no. Are you taking a chance? Because if it's if it's packed in the summer, you might not be able to like like if that was him coming to coming to Cape Cod in the summer, he's not finding anything for three weeks. <laughs> no, no. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, then you have someone asking for shoe recommendations. And I'm going to specify because there's a lot of people that go on there and they talk about, you know, you got to have the right footwear or they give helpful tips like, hey, Portugal or Lisbon in general, it's very hilly, it's built on seven hills, you know, steep inclines, lots of them, lots of old cobblestone, bring the right footwear, leave your fancy footwear at home, bring comfortable shoes for walking, sneakers, blah, blah, blah. Wonderful. That's a wonderful tip. Now, this person... (laughs) took took it to the level of she's shopping for shoes and she is posting specific sneakers onto this Facebook travel page and asking for recommendations on this specific 
make and model of a sneaker. That's the best. I will fucking love that. <laughs> I love that. Good for you. Good for you, ma'am. Like, does anyone have the <laughs> Nike 3000 Air? Is this the right shoe for <laughs> the Hills of Lisbon? Can anyone comment on whether or not I'm going to be okay with this sneaker? <laughs> you got to just take your chance. That's it. That's all you got to do. You got to take, take your chance. If they don't work, buy a pair of sneakers when you get there. <laughs> oh, that just reminds me of the time. I'm pretty sure you were at my house. My dad had come back from San Miguel and he likes to buy shoes when he's out there for some reason. So he buys like all these new shoes and then he came home and he was trying them on for us in my living room. Yes, I was there. And he bought this one pair of shoes that was like this like kind of fancier shoe, like a, like a brown little like booty kind of thing, little leather, like it it looked nice, but the sole was so stiff. It was just like flat and stiff like I don't think he could bend his foot in the shoe <laughs> and he brought them home and tried them on and we were like "Ooh, dad you know like those look nice and he's walking around and he's like eating it up right and then he's like this is so uncomfortable it's <laughs> <laughs> uncomfortable shoe and he like finally admitted <laughs> that that was a terrible terrible purchase <laughs> so that's what you don't want to pack with you when you go to Lisbon <laughs> Although he does say that they've broken in because we've subsequently asked him about those specific shoes. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're great now. They're my favorite shoes. And I'm like, <laughs> are they? He just doesn't <laughs> want to admit that he like shelled out $40 or whatever he did, 40 euros for these shoes that are not good. <laughs> like when my parents pack for Portugal, my dad's like, I just need one shoe. That's like, obviously, my mom doesn't pack them, just one shoe. But my dad's like, I don't understand why you need to pack all these different shoes when you go away. He's like, one pair of shoes is good. Or like, he does like maybe like a sneaker and like a dress shoe. That's what he's like. That's enough. That's all you need to pack. And it's like, no, <laughs> you don't know what you might run into. <laughs> I know. But like, what other shoe do men have, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> They don't have too many options. No. They got uh, a sneaker, a dress shoe, a sandal, work That's boots. It. <laughs> That's, That's more, it, right? <laughs> more options than I was thinking. But my my mom's big purchase when she goes out there, she has to go to the jewelry store for some reason. She goes to their little oh. jewelry stores and she has to buy all this stuff. And it's usually like jewelry that somehow incorporates like volcanic rock <laughs> into the jewelry. Like it'll be like little earrings. And then they're just like, instead of gemstones, it's like volcanic rock. I'm laughing because I'm thinking you're going to tell me that your mom likes to buy like the Portuguese jewelry. Like when my mom goes out there, she'll get like a mascota, like or a necklace or like an earring from like the little Portuguese jeweler, right? Because she can't get it down here where she lives. She likes to go there. And you're telling me your mom's buying like a volcano. <laughs> it's like she's like on a field trip. It's like a label made with a real volcano. <laughs> Yeah, she's in the gift shop at the field, the end of the field trip, right? Buying her jewelry to come home. Yes. Oh, I love your mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I've got for you for our social media roundup. We're going to hit our culture topic next. I think as your trip gets closer, 
you need to post. We need to do like maybe another like part two of this and see if there's any other sillier questions. <laughs> I definitely keep an eye out every day. At some point, I'm going to need to remove myself from the group because it's it consuming my life. But for now, after we're, you come back, we're going to keep looking at this. Who is like the host of this? Is it? I don't know how Facebook really works anymore, but is it like a host of this? There's like a bunch of like either moderators or admin or whatever for the group. Okay. And then people just, okay. And then it's just random people who answer stuff, but. People post everything in there. Like anybody who's on vacation in Portugal posts their vacation pictures there. Like, oh, geez, they they come home and they're like, here's all my pictures I took. And you're like, OK, that's wonderful. But then like a picture of them at family dinner. <laughs> yeah. And then like two days later, like another family does it. And you're like, OK, I don't need to see the same monument like 22 <laughs> times from 22 different families this week. So I don't know. I'm you, don't even, <laughs> you don't even need to go to Lisbon at this point. I've been. I've seen all the <laughs> all, all the sites there are to see. Okay. They just saved you a trip. Oh, that's awesome. I was following this woman. She was kayaking down the Dororo River. Like it was like an eight-day trek. And I was following her every day and like seeing, <laughs> seeing if she made it to the next stop, the next dam. You're watching her, so if she loses contact, you can find her. <laughs> She was eating at this restaurant. She pulled her kayak up to this restaurant <laughs> on the Turo River. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm getting the vibe. It's like a lot of older people in this group chat. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I didn't want to assume, but that's the vibe I'm getting. Yes, I love it. Love it for them. So I don't know if I will be posting my pictures into the group once I go on my <laughs> trip. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Now for our culture topic. We stumbled upon the fact that Portugal had a dead queen. Yeah. Badass. <laughs> a ghost queen, if you will. So excited. So excited. <laughs> I'm not excited how it came about because <laughs> it was tragic, but it's just super awesome. <laughs> I didn't know what story was worse because I was going down this story of Queen Inej, mm -hmm. Inej de Castro of Portugal, and her whole story there was pretty interesting. But then I also went down the rabbit hole of the scorned wife because this woman was like a mistress. This Inej was a mistress to King Pedro of Portugal. And like the side piece, the side piece. So like the wife that he had before mm -hmm. this side piece or during this side piece. Her story just is crazy. She had her own shit and like her husband leaving her for this dead queen was like the least of her fucking problems <laughs> before we start do all kings just have side pieces I'm hinting it to the one that we have currently <laughs> not we but England I didn't really know much about royals 
oh. the, affair, the affairs of royals <laughs> before I went down this rabbit hole. But even just in this little rabbit hole, very yeah. specifically pointed at this particular king and, and this woman, it was all kinds of extramarital <laughs> affairs. <laughs> Debauchery. <laughs> And it was oh, all yeah. about like the bloodline and like who's going to get control. And it was all about power. That's current, like kind of what pretty much happened too with like King Now and Princess Diana at the time. Like he didn't want to marry her. I'm a, I, I like following all of that. <laughs> uh, but he didn't want to marry her. He wanted to marry the woman he was with that he's with now. He wanted to be with her. But his mommy, Daris, R.I.P., she did not want to be with her. She was also married with kids and she was having an affair on her husband with the King Charles. <laughs> and this is like, so this is more recent history. Recent, yeah. The stuff that we're reading about for this particular segment is like the 1300s time period, but. Side chicks be side chicken. Nope. <laughs> 1340. Is the year. Put yourself in 1340. <laughs> what a great okay. time. Inej comes to Portugal as the lady in waiting, which I guess is an assistant. The lady in waiting to somebody is like you're their royal assistant, I guess. So she's the lady in waiting to Constance of Castile, who had just married Pedro. Pedro was the heir apparent to the Portuguese throne. So he wasn't the king yet but he was going to be the next king Inez just long for the ride just assisting the wife of the future king Pedro falls in love with his wife's assistant a tale as old as time <laughs> you never hire someone hotter than you <laughs> you don't don't hire a hot nanny <laughs> Pedro falls in love with Inez Constance knows about this affair. She even tries to like end it. And the way that she tries to end it is when she gave birth to her first son, she invites Inez to be the godmother. That's how she tries to end it because apparently in the Catholic Church, the relationship between the godparent and the parent of a person being baptized was one of quote moral kinship, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> And their love for one another would be almost incestuous. What? <laughs> I was like, did they really care about incestuous relationships back then? <laughs> well, this was like trying to promote this tight bond between right. Inez and Constance. I guess so that she would feel like, okay, I'm your kid's godparent. So now I'm morally bound to you and I can't now be sleeping Sleep with your husband. husband. Yeah. By the way, I left out this part. It's probably a little bit important. Inej and Constance are related. They're like cousins, let's say. It still happens today, I'm sure. <laughs> so that kid that was baptized, that Inej became the godparent of, died like a week later. Because that's what happened back then. Like all the kids just died. Yeah, like, unfortunately. But so that I, just spoils her plan. Foiled her plan. So... I don't know. It also says that it increased suspicions about Inej. So, like, what are they trying to say? Are they trying to say that she had something to do with that baby dying? Like, you tried to bring me in close by making me the godmother to your kid? Well, see you later, kid. Now we don't have that problem anymore. Like, 
Interesting. And you really can't kind of prove it. You couldn't prove it really back then. I don't know what really went on, but the tea is piping hot in Wikipedia. (laughs) I would be suspicious. (laughs) So Pedro's dad, who was like the king at the time, did not like this relationship with Inej for power reasons. Like, I don't know. Like Queen Elizabeth. Same thing. It was like, wow. I don't know, her bloodline. She wasn't from the right bloodline or like she he didn't want to relinquish power to like her people. I don't know. He just was not having it. No form of it was being had. He banishes her in 1344. Pedro doesn't care. He keeps her as his mistress. That's love. That's real love right there. True love wants what true love wants. <laughs> That's it. So Pedro's wife, Constance, dies in 1349 suspicious Pedro's dad the king tried several times to arrange for his son to be remarried to someone else after his wife died but Pedro refused to take a wife other than Inej who was apparently not deemed eligible to be queen Pedro's legitimate son was a frail child Whereas Pedro and Inez had apparently an illegitimate set of children. They were thriving. Eh? Legitimate children surviving. Illegitimate children thriving. (laughs) And this made the Portuguese nobleman uncomfortable. I just want to know, like, hold up. I'm single, right? And my parents have zero people for me to meet to marry. <laughs> How is this king finding all these women for his son to be me married to? Never a day in my life that my parents were like, oh, we know a guy that we should set you up with. Never. And this guy's just getting women thrown at him from his father. <laughs> if your parents and- came to you and said that they know a guy, I would laugh. <laughs> I'd be like, no, thanks. Would you take the date? No, I would really shut it down. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) I don't even know the type of guy that my parents would even want to set me up with. A relative. (laughs) Shut that down. Nope. (laughs) Nope. A relative or bust. (laughs) Can't do it. Can't do it. Maybe like when I'm like 60 and if I'm still single. (laughs) We'll see, we'll see. We got some 30-something years for that. Anyways, back to the kids. After several attempts to keep the lovers apart, Pedro's dad, the king, ordered Inez's death. He's a huge blocker. (laughs) Dude, it's a little extreme, right? It's a big one. It's a little extreme. Like, the woman doesn't need to die just because, you know, like, her bloodline. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't oh. say that she did anything else wrong besides having some thriving children. And he was threatened by that. He was emasculated by the situation. <laughs> Toxic masculinity. So he orders her to death. She was detained in a monastery in Coimbra, Portugal, and beheaded in front of her small child in 1355. Mm, it's heartbreaking. King dies. Pedro becomes the king in 1357, a couple years later. He wants revenge. He orders his lover's killers to death. 
It says that they managed to capture two of them in 1361. And this particular account says that Pedro himself executed them publicly by ripping their hearts out, claiming they didn't have one because of what they did to his heart. I don't think that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Metaphorically, yes, probably. But biologically, that didn't say that right. (laughs) No, that's that's not how it works. They have a heart. (laughs) They have a kudasau. Like, you can't just yeah, <laughs> go in and rip someone's heart out barehanded. Like, that's not no. really how it works. It sounds a little bit made up, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> he then tells people that he had secretly married Inej when his wife died. So she was consequently the lawful queen. Even though there was nobody but him and his word to prove that marriage. He gave him the old, by the way, skis, I'm married. I want to believe it. I want to give this to Pedro. I'm not cool that you cheated on your wife, but like you weren't in love with your wife, you were in love with Inej. So I'm going to give it to you. I believe that you were married. That's my, my, my point of view on it. Who married them? Wouldn't they come forward and be like, "Twas me. That's a good point. Shut the I, was, <laughs> I was the officiant. God damn it. <laughs> right? I'm just saying, who married them? What Maybe happened like them? they could marry each other and they didn't need an officiant because like he's king. He's gonna be like the future king. So maybe he can just do it himself. I don't know. They have some powers. <laughs> I don't know what the royal <laughs> duties and powers are. <laughs> So here's where it gets interesting. It's cray cray. He has her body exhumed and makes the entire court swear allegiance to their new queen. He's like, by the way, you didn't give her any respect while she was alive. So you're going to respect the shit out of this dead woman because she's the queen. And so he puts her dead ass body dresses her all up in her royal cloaks sits her up on the throne does her all up a corpse and makes people come and kneel down in front of her and kiss her hand and it's given very much Wilhelmina of Missouri I would peace out at that point if like my king came out and said here's the queen here is your new queen, and she's dead, and I got to kiss her hand. I'm out. Let's not forget her manner of death was decapitation. Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's That's not right. forget the deets here. <laughs> so this woman yeah. would not have had a head. No. No kibosa. But yet when they portray it, like there's all kinds of like paintings and stuff. That they like drawings, yeah, that they've done to like depict the scene of like the dead queen and people bowing at her, her feet and kissing her and stuff. But she has a head in those paintings, so I'm like, the story ain't adding up. The math ain't that. <laughs> I'm always trying to give these people a benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Do you think maybe the head also got buried like separately? And so, like, he was able to find the head. 
Like, did they bury the body and like put the head with it and just? No, we got like a little Frank and Bride situation yeah. going on where they like <laughs> yeah. sewed it back together. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to help him make it make sense. He's in love. Modern sources characterize this story of Inej's postmortem coronation as a legend and most likely a myth. Can we just think this is real and let it be known that Portugal had their first dead queen? Like, why do they always have to put the kibosh on stuff? Portugal citizens are out there saying that things are myths or legends and, oh, we're not going to believe it anymore. Their whole shtick is believing <laughs> myths and legends, right? Yeah. It's called there religion. Are, yeah. There ain't a myth or legend that they ain't still fashioned exactly. over. <laughs> exactly. They can believe in that, but they can't believe in this. Come on. <laughs> and this is so much cooler. Again, R.I.P. Inish. <laughs> okay. So just to wrap this up, there is um, a place... I'm guessing you can go visit it. Maybe I'll go visit it. Who knows? Quinta das Lagrimas, the Estate of the Tears. I think it's in Coimbra. It's the place where she died. Mm-hmm. There's a fountain, Fonte das Lagrimas, stands on the property where Inej was slain, and supposedly her blood still stains its stone bottom that was born of her tears. For centuries, the estate is reportedly haunted by the ghost of Inej, oh, who was heard awesome. crying on the grounds. Inez's spirit still roams the estate, eternally searching for her lost love, Pedro. That's so sad. I love a love story. I love love. (laughs) I don't have any love, but I love when other people are in love. So I hope they're together. I think I read something about... (laughs) That they're together? (laughs) No, that he like dug... (laughs) When he dug her up, he buried her, and then he made his He's, his little uh, yeah. place for when he died, and they would be buried like across from each other, so that in the final fucking rapture or some shit, that they were both going to awaken and face each other as they were teleported up into heaven. I love that. It's beautiful. Perfect ending. Whole mock movie. <laughs> Modern day love story <laughs> of 13, 1342. I love it. So much love. So much love in the room tonight. That was our culture topic. We're going to hit you up with nostalgia now. I told you guys last week that I was attending the final walkthrough of my. Catholic high school that was closing down. They did an alumni event where they invited all the alumni from the history of the school to this massive Thanksgiving. Of course, it was a mass. Of course, it was a mass. (laughs) Had to be a mass. And then, quote unquote, refreshments and walking the halls afterwards to just kind of reminisce or whatever. I attended. I don't know why people didn't want to attend because I there was a lot of people I know that didn't want to go, <laughs> didn't want to go <laughs> or people who like they love the school. They love talking about the school. They love reminiscing about the school. But for some reason, they didn't want to touch this event with a 10 foot pole. 
(laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, because I went and I thought it was lovely. It's awesome. So I didn't attend this high school, guys, so I got zero input on this. (laughs) Yes, but I'm going to tell her about it. I'm here for it. It felt like time travel, first of all. I bet, yeah. It's been 18 years since I graduated the high school. I have not really been back since. I don't think I've entered that building since I left 18 years ago. Mm. And I'm not even in the area. So it's like not really something that I see or hear of or anything ever. So truly, it was transporting me back to 2001 to 2005. Is where I got transported back in time. And it's so crazy how just like the physical presence of the being in the environment, like just the smells and the sights and the just the sounds and the seeing the people, all of it, just you literally feel like you're transported in time to a different world. It was like like the last 18 years didn't exist and I am just like, <laughs> a little freshman high school student walking around in these halls. It was the strangest feeling. They did a mass, which I was not really excited to have to sit through. (laughs) They did it in the auditorium, which is where they always held mass while we were attending the school. Like that's where they had all the the masses. They have the stage and they make that as like a little altar. And then all the students sit in in the auditorium seats and there's no air conditioning. So it was a fucking hot, sweaty mess in there. And it just. You walked into the auditorium. It smelled like incense. It was just like just (laughs) the vibes were just you were like musty auditorium incense. And then like it's all set up for like a church. You're like, oh, my God, the amount of masses I sat through. Oh, yeah. This place when we were in school. The mass portion of it was like long and boring. But then the homily, which is usually kind of let's be real, it's kind of like the worst part because yeah. it's usually like so long and they're just rambling on about fucking nonsense but it was good it was good it was like a younger priest he's not even from that fucking school he was like Aww. he he was their chaplain for like the past year i guess but he's from another church and he gave this like awesome homily that was like very nostalgic it was just he would bring up like teachers or events from the school over the years that like resonated with everyone so it was just very much like it had the vibes of someone giving like a graduation speech oh nice! but it was the homily at yeah. the mass. so it was it was interesting and then he wanted to like get a feel for who was present in the auditorium because i think they said like i don't know 700 people or something went i don't know there was a decent amount of people amount. i don't think everybody was in the auditorium but that's how many people apparently showed up he asked at the beginning of the mass like to stand up um by decade for like what decade of alumni or class you were representing so he's like oh you know anyone anyone who graduated in the 70s stand up anyone who graduated in the 80s 90s 2000s 2010s 20s too holy shit 80s and 90s big turnout yeah huge turnout from that era and then it got to like 2000s and there was like my little row with like eight people and like we stood up and like that was it. Like it was so embarrassing from like the decade. Like I don't know. There was like there was a bunch of I don't know maybe 20 people or something from the whole decade. It was less people 
kind of from our era than I was expecting. I don't know why people didn't go, but <laughs> I did a walkthrough before the mass. So the walkthrough was supposed to be after the mass, but I got there mm-hmm. early enough that I walked the halls and everything beforehand. So I got to kind of go through like while everything was empty, there was nobody in the halls or the classrooms or anything. So that was really neat. I took some videos and pictures of that. Then we did the mass and then we left and we saw they had these two rooms set up for memorabilia. It was like, please, please uh, come in and take memorabilia from your time at BCHS. And you went in there and it was set up so nicely. Like there was so much stuff. Like they had stacks of yearbooks for every year that the school's been in. Oh, that's cool. So you could go through and like you could just take yearbooks from whenever like you were there. Because I know. I know like from when I was there, I have my yearbook from the year I graduated, but we're in the yearbooks for the other three years that we attended the school. So like we were grabbing like other years yearbooks to take and yeah. they had all kinds of sports memorabilia. So like they took down all like the banners that had been hung for like tennis champions, 1975, like whatever it was, like they oh, had that's- all the sports banners, they had trophies, they had sports like scoring books so like if you played a sport like you could flip through and you could see every game you played and what um, the scoring was for that game they had like varsity letters like letterman jacket letters they had um sports jerseys like piles and piles of sports jerseys they had uh, like football helmets like they had just so much stuff like um t-shirts like branded school branded like merch Mm -hmm. if you will like water bottles ornaments whatever they had so much shit then they had like pictures um they had framed pictures they had just loose like four by sixes that just had accumulated over the time of the school so you could like look through them see if you knew anyone see if you were in any of the pictures you could take them they had these like giant like poster size pictures that they had of like a lot of the theater kids from some of their productions so like you could take one of the our friends that was there was like oh this is my best friend's sister i'm gonna take this like giant (laughs) print out of her head to give to him like whatever there was so much stuff so that that memorabilia room was really cool that was like where people were congregated and spending a lot of their time like just looking through all that stuff uh, that's uh, that part's awesome i like that they did that i wouldn't want to go to mass <laughs> and they didn't tell anyone about the memorabilia room that that yeah. was going to be happening because i feel like if they had more people more people would have come and flocked for the memorabilia room i agree on that yeah and it was like they were going to throw that stuff out if you didn't take it they should have advertised that, though. They wanted people that- to come for Jesus, not for the <laughs> <laughs> Right? You gotta love, love Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Right. They were like, if you come for the right reasons, we'll give you free stuff. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you went, though. It was good. And I mean, I know not everybody's high school experience was good or pleasant or the same or whatever it is so i don't know yeah. maybe, maybe people I had was... anxiety about going or just not wanting to run into people or see people or whatever their reasons may be they may have not wanted to come but it was great and all the people that i ran into 
were great. Like everybody, people I haven't seen in, you know, almost 20 years, but yeah, you just pick up right where you left off and you're just talking to them like no time has passed. And it was really cool. Um, it didn't necessarily give me high school reunion vibes where like, cause that's my husband was like, well, maybe people don't want to go because, you know, you don't want to have to sit there and be like, oh, this is what I'm doing with my life and like whatever, you know? Yeah. I have to yeah, be like, yeah. oh, look at how successful I am or not, you know? And I'm like, it didn't have that vibe at all. I'm like, I didn't ask anybody what they fucking did for work. I didn't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> they didn't ask me. Like we were just vibing, just rolling on vibes, you know? It's awesome. I kind of like never really ask anybody what they do for all. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> I'll like go on a date with a dude and I don't even know what they do for a living because I just won't think to ask. <laughs> so I get that. I wouldn't have asked either. Well, I mean, just for me in general, like I had so much of my identity was wrapped up in what I did for work and like being an yeah. engineer. And like that was like, that was who I am. I'm an engineer and like blah, blah, blah. And like I would always ask people what they did for work. People would always ask me what I did for work. And like that was like my conversation starter yeah and now now that I don't do that anymore and I just am home and podcasting <laughs> I don't ask that question anymore and people don't ask me or if they do ask me I'm just like no well, you know you know I do I do some stuff <laughs> don't give anybody like a straight answer but I never leave the house so nobody asks me <laughs> But my identity is no longer wrapped up in what I do for work. Yeah. And because mine is not, I now don't ask people that question because I feel like that's not like who you are as a person is not like what you do. Yeah. For you know what I mean? I agree on that. So as far as the merch and the memorabilia rooms, like were, these were these like two dedicated rooms that you would go in and they had the stuff all set up for you to take. So for me, that meant that like, you weren't just going around the school, just like taking what you could find. You know what I mean? Like it was like, no, we have these two rooms set up of memorabilia for you. But then I heard some guy took a crucifix off the wall in one of the classrooms and was like, I'll ask him to send me an invoice. And I'm like, <laughs> That's awesome. You just had to have that crucifix, you know, <laughs> classroom crucifix. Is that like, are you in trouble with the big guy for doing that? I guess it depends on what what he wanted to do with the crucifix. If he was just stealing it so he could worship it at home. (laughs) Are you going to deny him the good Lord's presence in his house? Yeah, but like he stole it. Isn't that a commandment? Thou shall not steal. But he said that if they asked, he would just be like, send me an invoice. True. So he's he's willing to pay. (laughs) He knows there ain't nobody there working anymore (laughs) to be able to send an invoice. Right. The thing that got me was that like the school was closing down because it has no funds. Mm. And I guess it's because uh, enrollment was low. Admissions was really low. Like class sizes got really small. Like they could no longer pay for like the upkeep of the school and paying all the teachers and all that. They couldn't sustain themselves with the amount of money they were bringing in. And when I walked through the school, yes, there were some classrooms that looked exactly the same, same desks, same everything, like not a thing had changed in those classrooms, same TV, like nothing had changed in 20 years. But then there was a lot of other places, like the big spaces were all very renovated, very modern, like the gym was brand new, the cafeteria was brand new, like, you know, they had a lot of money put into this. It was like, 
wasn't like they weren't spending money on the school and it's like decrepit and that's why they're closing down. It was like they spending too much money that they ain't got. <laughs> Renovating all this shit to the high heavens. Oh, that sucks. And now it's just gonna it's like a waste. Now they're just closing. Right. And you're looking at the school and the building and you're like, this is a perfectly good space. This is perfect. It's not decrepit. Uh, they had like a robotics room now. And I was like, dang, had none of this shit when we went. Inside. Yeah. And then they had like couches in some of the classrooms instead of desks. It was like, this was the campus ministry room. So it was like, you go in here and you sit on the sofa and you talk about <laughs> what? Probably. Probably. Oh, interesting. I wonder what they'll do with that space now. I don't know. Cause attached to the school is like, um, living quarters for I think like retired priests or the Jesuit priests or something like the brothers that taught at the school some of them lived in that the other ends of the hallway oh I don't like that <laughs> the living quarters so like there are still people living there priests so not in the school but it's, it's a building attached to the school so I don't know what they do if they're gonna rent out the rest of it for like office space or like what I don't know I feel like it could be like apartment. It's like a good area for apartments because it's hidden in the back. They should totally do this new thing where like each classroom becomes an apartment, but then they have like shared space. So then like the cafeteria is like shared space. Like so they don't have a kitchen in their apartment. They just go out to like the shared cat. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I like that. You can you can meet in. Meet and mingle with your neighbors. It's <laughs> yeah. like cafeteria, kind of like a hotel, almost. Yes, you know yeah. what I mean, like a hotel vibe. You got to go down to the <laughs> the hotel Conley. I love I like it. that. <laughs> TM TM, keep that TM. <laughs> it was funny because we were all reminiscing about how, like, our freshman year that we entered, there was like a particular principal that was in charge of the school at that time. And it was like the fucking Wild West. Like they had like the seniors had a senior lounge. Like they would just be sitting in there like playing video games. I don't know, fucking smoking pot. Who knows? And they would have like pep rallies and these guys would be just like rocking out on their like electric guitars with amplifiers. And they were singing like not good songs that were (laughs) non-Catholic school approved songs. And this guy was just like jamming out at the pep rally and the principal came and like unplugged the amp because he didn't approve of the song that he was singing. (laughs) And so like it was just like the Wild West. And then that principal left. They got a new principal and then like all the shit changed and like it became like so strict and so awful. We saw one year of like the craziness and then we got three years of them tightening up and it was just never the same. I had all four years of strictness. There was no wild, wild west. <laughs> there was no like loud, none of that. None of that. <laughs> Maybe that's why oh. there was not so many alums from after us. And there was a lot yeah. from like the 80s and 90s because that was like like Woodstock. They're like reminiscing <laughs> over their time at Woodstock. Well, I hope they do something cool with it. Feel bad for the kids that have to leave and transfer out to a different school. That part sucks. Yeah, especially being a teenager and going through that. Like being a teenager sucks, and then you have to like go through that and make different friends for one year. I'd be like, I know, oh, so not fucking worth it. 
<laughs> no, it's not. It's like, let me just stay at home for school, <laughs> homeschool for the year. <laughs> I, probably, I would do that at that point. Did the school still have all kids in all four years? Like, were they still freshmen there? Or were they in? Did they not accept any freshmen like this year because they knew they were closing? No, they still have uh, all four years. Yeah. So there are freshmen that have to go out for three years. And then, okay, so seniors mm-hmm. going in that have to go for one year. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks for the freshmen too because like they just went into the school, got accustomed to being in high school, and now they're like, oh, <laughs> you got to go to a new high school now. <laughs> right. And now you're a year late to the game. So like all the friendships are already formed at yeah, the school you're transferring like- into and you got to be like the late comer for the next three years. Like, ugh, ugh. could never be yeah. me. Could never be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither. That would really take a toll on my mental health. Same. (laughs) We're going to move right into our mental health segment. Yep, we're going to talk about the word that I can't say. (laughs) Or I have to think about before I have to think it before I say it. At the beginning of this episode, we teased... Immigrant psychosis, the rebrand, <laughs> and what that really is today. And it is nostalgia. So we just finished nostalgia. our nostalgia section. Immigrant psychosis is what it used to be called. Can I just use that since I have a hard time saying nostalgia? Yes. We okay. will rebrand our nostalgia segment to. <laughs> The immigrant psychosis section that's also very spot on for us. It is. It it really is. It's on brand. I don't know how many new listeners will gain with that topic. (laughs) (laughs) So I just wanted to talk a little bit about the effects of nostalgia on mental health because when I was visiting the high school last week, it was obviously very nostalgic and I was just feeling like I was getting like fucking dopamine hits, like just mm-hmm. like running through my body. I was on such a high of dopamine just with the sights and the sounds and the smells, like I said, but nostalgia wasn't always a good thing. When this phenomenon was first coming about, I think it was like people were at war and they were homesick. And so that it's really like it was it came from like the Greek words, I guess, for like homesick, home and sickness or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Homesick. And they called it nostalgia. But it was like a bad thing. It was like a mental disorder that That's like people at war experienced. Okay. And it was, so it was seen very negatively in a negative light with all the wave of immigrants into the U.S. in, I don't know, late 1800s. They started calling it immigrant psychosis because they all were nostalgic for a life that they left back in Mm -hmm. Europe or wherever they came from. Makes sense. Yeah. And then eventually over time, so in more recent years, they've rebranded nostalgia to be like a good thing. And it actually has (laughs) benefits to your mental health. And most people who experience it are experiencing it in a positive way. And not in a depressive episode leading to death kind of way. Yeah. 
like it used to be. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Two opposite ends. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. I've only ever thought of nostalgia as a good thing. Same. Yeah. I feel like nostalgia was just honestly like a recent word that just came out. I didn't even know that it has a history to it. Like I feel like our generation has been using nostalgia more than anyone else. Well, I thought anyway, like the actual term, I felt like we used it more now. Like, cause growing up, like I never heard of that word. You did hear it. It was just called Sudad. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you were hearing it. It's True, a Sudad. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That very valid point. It's kind of funny because they called it immigrant psychosis, but then like the Portuguese version specifically is Sudad. <laughs> Sudad, they're like longing and lon- loneliness and melancholic feelings towards their past and oh. their their home, you know? Yeah. And I just think it's so interesting that now yeah. I just get this like dopamine rush from anything nostalgic, like instant mood improvement. When I see like the clips on Instagram and it's like 90s kids TV shows that we used to watch, that excites me so much. <laughs> like instant like, mood boost, right? Hey, hey, Arnold or like regrets or anything like that. I just get like, you know, like Ren and Stimpy. Like when I see those clips, Saturday morning cartoons, it just takes me back. <laughs> you get giddy, right? Like, yeah, that's why I love those Seventh Heaven clips so much that we've been watching because it's just dopamine hits of something that I really enjoyed as a kid, no matter oh, how God. problematic it was. But yeah, just watching those, it just transform you to like to like the living room as a kid watching Seventh Heaven. So even the priest during the homily at the high school, he mentioned something about the different decades that we were all from and how how mm-hmm. every every like decade feels like their music is the best. Like what they reflect uh. fondly on like the music from their decade of like when they grew up. And he said, a lot of times it's the music that you listened to in high school that's most impactful because that's like the kind of most defining point in your life where like you're just, you're going through so many new things, so many emotions, so many changes in your life. You know, like you're maybe getting a boyfriend for the first time. You're you're just navigating the world in a different way than you had previously when you were a kid. And you have all this like newfound freedom. You're kind of becoming an adult. You're kind of just learning to drive. You're kind of, I have all this, these experiences that become like cornerstones in your life. And you're listening to a lot of music during that time. And so you're connecting these events with these specific songs and with these, Mm. with this type of music. And so you're always more attached and more nostalgic to the music that was around or popular when you were in high school. And so he was talking about that. And I was like, oh my God, it's so true. It's like, I don't listen to music from any other period it's like that's yeah. the music that i listen to still is the music from that time that's funny because today i just popped on my headphones while i was at work i put all like my alternative rock so i was listening to like old like red hot chili peppers uh like mg like st- people that we saw in Bonnaroo, like MGMT, like it was just all old stuff. And I was like, like Mumford and Sons. And I'm like, oh my God, this was like the best time. (laughs) I have a Spotify playlist called like pre-2006 mix. And it's literally just 
the songs from like when we were in high school. Yeah. Like, no- nothing after 2006. I don't want it. <laughs> That's awesome. One of our friends that did attend the alumni thing with us, she was texting us like in the hours leading up to it. And she's like, I've been listening to like music from the time period all day to prepare myself and get myself into the right, the right mindset to attend this event. And I'm like, oh my God, me too. Like, cause I had a, a few hour drive to get down there and I just popped on my pre 2006 mix to get down <laughs> to the event. Cause it, it takes you back. It puts you in a different headspace. It does. Yeah. I was very alternative rock. I like listening to like 95.5 WVRU. It's not even a station anymore. I was upset when they got rid of it. And I think it became like a Christian radio station. <laughs> and I was like, no, none of that. But yeah, I used to like go to Lupo's for the concerts because a lot of like bands would low key like play there. Like, no, I was just fucking, oh my God. <laughs> Great time. And there's like songs that, um, if you listened to a song that was attached to a very specific event in your life, you know, they're not always so distinctive, but you know, I got into a car crash three weeks after I got my license and I still know the song that was playing on the radio when I got into that crash. And so like, I can't hear that song without thinking of that car crash. Like, right. and, I, and you end up having, I don't know what they call it, like rosy retrospection where you look back on everything more fondly than it actually was. So like, I look back at this car crash, like, in this like wistful nostalgic way like it was like this cool memory and it gives me a dopamine rush but it was like I go so fucking car crash (laughs) I shouldn't be getting a dopamine rush when I think about it you know right right (laughs) you can laugh about it now but you couldn't at the moment (laughs) so it says like the nostalgic effect has the ability to turn even bad memories or memories that weren't really that great at the time like as time goes by you start to look back on them more fondly than they actually were and you tend to like make the past seem better than it actually was yeah which is so crazy and so cool i like that aspect of it yeah just pretend it was great (laughs) you could do that with your past you could do that with your current life just pretend (laughs) it's great you could do it with your future life like yeah, manifest it. Manifest it's all what you it. make of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So the nostalgia comes from like music, movies, TV shows, video games. They said even like weather or like your environment can be triggers of n- nostalgia as well. Our weather is so changing here that yeah, I, would- I don't know how you would have like nostalgic feelings tied to a specific Maybe weather. Maybe like if there was like a snowstorm. Like right, you had right, like a right. snowstorm or something when you were a kid, and I don't know, like, right, you go with your parents, and it was like special because you guys were all home. I don't know, maybe it's like my grandmother for like the fifty years she's been in America. She says that like her favorite memory to this day was the blizzard of seventy eight because <laughs> her whole family was together and they didn't have to do anything. So she must have nostalgic memories tied when there's this blizzard or snowstorm. Yeah. So I guess you're right. Yeah. And then the last most interesting thing that I read about nostalgia was that it serves as a motivator for the preservation of cultural heritage. And I was like, 
Yes, yes, it does. Mm. Like that's why we do the fucking shit that we do, the all this cultural shit that makes no fucking sense is because they're just right. holding on to this nostalgically. It's you know, like it's tradition. So they have this nostalgia tied to, oh, I did this as a kid, so I'm gonna do it now. And they have fond memories attached to it, but like do they really care about the actual thing that they're doing? Yeah. Not so much. Not. Yeah. Right. Maybe, you know, some people do, but most part, no, it's just like, hey, I did this as a kid. Right. Like even even now, like I have such nostalgia about wanting to go like back to a fashta, Portuguese fashta, because I haven't been in a long time because yeah. I'm not living in the area. But is there anything really at the fashta that's worth attending? Like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> no, it's the nostalgia of the event that would want, yeah, that I would want to go back for. Not the event yeah. itself, you know? Right, you know right, right. Yeah. So that's just interesting how, like, cultural heritage is preserved because of nostalgia. It's, it's awesome. That's another. Our whole this podcast. Like on point. Yeah, our, on point. <laughs> our whole podcast in a bow. Yeah. Culture <laughs> and nostalgia. And the final thing was that, have you seen the Internet Archive? No. Is it? No. I never heard. It's like an archive of the internet on the internet. I don't know. And it's, you go to this archive. I don't know. Just Google it. Internet archive. And you click it. And then there's all these like subcategories. And it just is literally a library catalog of like all old things, like old websites. Like, oh, this is the original website of such and such place, you know, before they changed it. Like it's archived there. But then they have like commercials. You can click like by the decade, like 1990s TV commercials and like whatever they have there archived will show up and you can click through and like it's like you're watching TV in 1990 and you're watching the commercials and it's just dopamine hit. If you need a dopamine hit, you just watch this and like shit just comes rushing back to you that you didn't even know was in your brain and it unlocks shit for you. Oh, I need to Google this. Yes, you do. Oh my god, I have to Google this. I'll have to do it when we're off air. <laughs> it's a fun thing to just like play around in. Yeah. You know, like instead Never of just heard like, of it. Yeah. Instead of looking at the news, like who needs that shit? You go to the Internet Archive and you just start scrolling around. See what you uncover. Oh, that's awesome. You no, know, I got something to do at work. <laughs> Get in. I wonder who made that. Who created that? People are always thinking. I know. Internet Movie Database. Internet Archive. We got to come up with thinking. We got to think of something. Besides high school. (laughs) Turning into a motel. So we will see you guys next week. Make sure that you follow us on all of our accounts. We post our video episodes to YouTube now. Um, It's our YouTube channel, Folk and Fad subscribe to our youtube page do all the things press all the buttons leave us a review guys rate us and review us and comment on our shit so that we can engage with you guys because we love hearing everything that you have to say it's very important to us to kind of be part of the community that we have of listeners thanks guys for listening as always